oh, I'm so good at the minute. I don't know what's got into me, but I'm just like on a high. It's so good. I think I'm just like positive thinking because like over the last few days I've been kind of ill with my health. Um, not COVID or anything, just I have a lot of dietary issues and I somehow think I'm invincible. And the other day I had like two bowls of Lucky Charms, like the cheap version of Lucky Charms. Oh, I've just been eating all sorts of crap really. Oh, the Biscoff spread. I've kind of got like addicted, to, not addicted, I shouldn't use that word, but I love it so much. And I've just had, I keep like buying jars and just eating from the jar, which I've discovered if, well, maybe I didn't discover it, but if you chop up apple and like dip it in as if it's just like a salsa dip or whatever, like, oh my goodness, it is incredible. But yeah, I have like IBS and I'm lactose intolerant and I'm also gluten intolerant. So I've got to be really careful, but I just, I don't know, I did really well at the start of the lockdown, but now like less so. Sometimes you've just got to treat yourself, you know? Ah, so I got some reviews from my first episode which actually I haven't put it out yet so these are like pre-reviews but I've got like quite a few from people who mean a lot to me so the first my first ever review was from my granddad who I'll probably talk a lot but I'll probably talk about all my family a lot but my granddad really is my best friend well all my family are but you know no favorites so he said well you can certainly talk your brain must go so fast you're trying to get everything out so you talk fast then you realise you're doing it, so you slow down a little bit, but then you think of something else and off you go again. Um, which I just think is me down to a T. That's so well put and so relevant. Um, I also obviously learned it is legal for me to drive with my dad, which I kind of knew that anyway, so I don't know why I doubted myself. Oh, and I also learned how to do the car reg thing. So apparently it's in the registration plate. So like the one in front of me has a 54 in it. So that means it was made in 1954. But I don't know if that's right. And also like, well, I guess if it has a 16, that's 2016, because it's not going to be 1916, is it? Because you'd be able to tell by the appearance of the car. And I don't know if there'd be cars like still still going that were made in 1916. Do they have cars then? Who knows? The second review came from my dad, who said, how you manage to ramble non-stop for over a quarter of an hour is pretty impressive. Um, Dad, I was actually going for about 45 minutes, but I cut it down. I cut 20 minutes of me explaining why I've called this just a quick one. I just cut it out because I was listening to it and I was like, this is boring me. So I didn't think anyone else would appreciate it. And then my dad said, I've noticed your London accent developing, which... I thought it fully was, but when I listen to myself now, I'm like, mm, not really. But then sometimes, like, the way I say certain words, it just has, like, a twang to it. And when I went back for the first time, which was only, like, two days after I moved to London, because I went home for my, um, my goddaughter's christening, my cousin, and my granddad Michael was saying that he couldn't understand me, which was, like, an ongoing joke. And now every time I go back, all my family are like, oh, what are you saying? Can't understand you. Like, and to be honest, it's kind of annoying. So I didn't think I had an accent really, but obviously everyone has an accent. But to me, like, I didn't sound really northern and half my family are from Yorkshire, so they've got like proper accents. And then I didn't have a southern accent, so I thought like, well, I just don't, I'm just neutral. 
obviously that's not how it works because to people who are southern like I have an accent to people who are really northern I have an accent so it's kind of weird but sometimes I think oh we do sound a bit like posh compared to some people like that I know from my hometown but then I think well you also sound a bit scummy compared to the actual posh people maybe I shouldn't say scummy but you know what I mean but when I watch videos from me as a kid, oh my goodness, what a thick northern accent I had. There's one of my favourite videos is where I'm eating chocolate cake, surprise, surprise, uh, before all the intolerances developed. And my mum my was making fun of me being like, can you get any more in your mouth? And then my granddad's like videoing and laughing. And um, my mum's like, oh my gosh, she's finished it all off. And at that point, I put the, like... I was about to bite the cake, but I pull it out my mouth and I'm like, Uncle David, cut it in half. And it sounds as if like somebody's trying to imitate a northern accent. That's how northern it was. And I don't even know how because I'm not even that northern. I'm from Scunthorpe. Do you know what I mean? But I do think I've lost my accent and I'm quite good. I haven't lost it completely, but compared to what I used to be, it's definitely going. I think I can put my accent on sometimes, depending on who I'm talking to. I definitely talk differently to different people there was a point where whenever I'd pick up the phone to my granddad we'd say like ah now then because that's just something everyone in Winterton does or at least everyone in my family anyway is how you greet people you say oh now then and then there's my granny where we pick up the phone and we go oh hey up and then there's my dad's side where I'll just be like hiya and then I think there's people down south which I'd be like oh hello no I'm just joking (laughs) No, I really did have that perception in my head, though, before I moved to London. Like, I really expected everyone down south to be super posh and speak really nicely. But then you get to London and realise it's not like that. (laughs) I think that's something that the north have to deal with a lot, is, like, they grow up with this expectation that everyone up north is poor and less fortunate and a bit scummy and everything's really rough and we've all got to be a bit, like, rough and tumble, which I'm definitely not, but oh well. Not my fault, I'm a gentle little soul, is it? And then down south, everyone's like, tea, crumpets, biscuits, middle fingers up, not middle fingers, pinky fingers up. (laughs) Well, you get down here and you realise that everyone has middle fingers up. My mum's side, my granny, they're all proper Yorkshire. They're from Retford and Doncaster. Um, And then my dad's mum, my great nana, is from Birmingham, which, I'm not going to lie, I absolutely despise that accent. But obviously I loved her so much. So I got a bit of Birmingham in me. Um, and then my mum's dad's side are all from Winterton, which is very, like, northern farmer vibe. Like, they've they've got really thick accents there. But I adore them. Winterton, I love it. I love the idea of it. I love everyone sitting at the pub. Like, it's, it's a little village outside of Scunthorpe. I don't know. I just feel like there's a real community spirit there. But then I'm not from Winterton, so I don't know anything. Like, there probably isn't. My idea of a village is that, like, everyone helps each other, everyone knows each other, everyone's friends, like, it's kind of like the olden days, without insulting Winterton. But yeah, the accent, let me get back on track. So, yeah, I definitely have changed since I moved to London. My granny told me the other day that her and my mum were talking on the phone, and she said my confidence started from my 18th birthday, which... Like, it kind of did, but I think it started a few days before. Because I'd cut my hair short, which I'd wanted to do for ages. But my mum said if I got a buzz cut, then she'd cancel our trip to Italy. 
Um, we were going on a coach trip because she doesn't like flying and she doesn't really like boats and stuff. So, like, for her to do the ferry was a massive thing. But, yeah, so I cut my hair anyway, but I just didn't cut it into a buzz cut. I just had it really short, which I loved it. I decided to donate it. I think I raised, like, 130 quid, 230 pounds. I can't remember. I got a little certificate, though, and I was really feeling myself after I did that. And... I don't know, my hair stressed me out a lot when it was long. So my mum was really glad that I'd actually cut it because while we were on holiday and obviously it was really hot, she was like, you'd have just been so aggy in this heat. So I'm really glad I cut it. Also, I think I'd just like not killed it because it was still kind of healthy, I think. But it was just ruined. It just wasn't a nice colour. I dyed it blue at one point and it had just grown out into like blondy, bluey green. And uh, I don't know. But I loved my short hair so much and I still am like trying to decide whether I cut it again or I keep growing it. But I think I want to keep growing it and then just keep like an undercut. Oh, once you have short hair around your ears, you you can never go back. Like it really does change your life. And on the back of your head and now that it's growing at the minute, it just, oh, I hate the fact that there's like hair on my neck. Even though obviously everyone has that, I just know what it feels like to not have it. And so I, I want rid. Oh yeah, so my confidence, it definitely has been boosted since I moved to London. Because, like, I really learnt to love myself. I think I found myself. Which sounds so cringy, and everyone says that when they go on gap years, they're like, I really found myself. But I have, like, not even just in that year, but, like, ever since I moved here in September 2018. So much has changed. I've overcome a lot in my past and made peace with it all. And I kind of rewired my brain, which is an ongoing process. Oh! I learned about this in uni. I'd been doing it without realising. Let me explain it. So there's this guy called Paolo Freire. I don't know how you say his second name. But it's F-R-I-E-R-E, I think. Oh no. I think the E is before the I. But anyway, so he has this theory called the empowerment theory. So in 1970, he wrote The Pedagogy of the Oppressed. I think that's how you say it. Not sure. And, um... It basically said that there's four stages to empowerment. Empowerment is the kind of like freeing of the mind. And empowerment basically is you taking ownership over your decisions, I guess. And like over your thoughts and your consciousness. And just being like free from what the world's put into you. So the first stage is banking. So the idea is that thoughts are banked into you through like structures in society like education family religion which if you studied sociology you'll know about socialization which is the idea that people are nurtured into the way that they think and behave rather than it happening by nature so ideas are given to them rather than them developing them themselves which we all definitely do no matter like who we're raised with what structures we're part of I personally think. So that Paolo guy um, basically said the person thinks these thoughts and behaviours are their own, but obviously they're not. Then the second stage is called conscientization, which I'm so proud of myself because I can just say that rolling off the tongue like it's nothing. Conscientization. So the person becomes aware of something that was banked. So this happens through an encounter or experience, and then they begin to question these thoughts. So an example for me is that one day I was sitting on the floor at like kind of a big group gathering and every time anyone came like within a meter of me, even though I wasn't in their way, 
I was like moving and dodging and I kept saying sorry and one person turned to me and was like stop saying sorry you're not in the way you're never in the way and that hit me and I started to think oh my goodness yeah why do I think I'm in the way why do I always feel in the way so I started to question that and kind of think where did that come from then the third stage is dialogue so vocalizing and discussing these thoughts bringing them into reality and making them a real thing making other people aware of it as well and then the fourth stage is praxis which is the result of reflection and dialogue leading to action and readjustment so for me I reflected on why I was kind of feeling the way I discussed it I wrote down my thoughts and then through that I realized I'm not always in the way and so from that point I've stopped kind of feeling in the way sometimes I get imposter syndrome which I think comes naturally to me but most of the time now, like especially when I'm in the shop and stuff, I stop apologising to people around me because I'm not in their way. And I'm really proud of myself for learning and realising that. So yeah, since moving to London, I've been detangling my mind a lot. And with that, I've realised there's a lot to get rid of. I think I want to live a life so free of shame as much as possible, which maybe I'll go into another time. But I think for me, that means not publicly and you know to everyone and anyone at any given moment but when the time's appropriate I guess like metaphorically wearing these strings on my sleeves or like having them on display just not being ashamed of my past realizing it's not my fault or even when it kind of was my fault and I made those decisions I've grown from it I've changed from it it happened it's done no shame so yeah this is a lifelong process this doesn't just happen once So I'm going through this process, we all are, constantly. Another thing that's changing me is that I'm seeing why I am who I am. I'm seeing like a real purpose in everything I've been through. Well, maybe not purpose, because it sounds like everything purposely happens, which I don't think I believe that. For me, in my opinion, God can use every decision I make and every situation I end up in for some kind of good. Even if the thing that happens isn't good. At the end of the day, I have free will. I don't believe God has planned every step I make, but I do believe that he will use every step I make. So when I was choosing where to go for uni, I was quite torn. I was at a leadership training day and I hadn't really spoken to this person about what I'd been going through in my mind. But this person came up to me and said they had a picture for me, which if you're kind of in church, I don't know if they do it in any other like religious places or faiths, but... When someone has a picture for you, it kind of means that they feel like God is trying to say something to you or say something to them for you. So when someone says they have a picture for you, it basically means that they're seeing something in their mind and it's really playing on their mind. And that picture is supposed to be for you. They feel drawn to you or they know you and they just think, this is what God's saying to you. Sometimes um, people have dreams for people or words. I can't explain it. It's really cool, but it's kind of creepy sometimes. But it's amazing. So the picture was two branches and both had flowers on. So basically, no matter which route I went down, God would bless it. And I think since learning that, life has changed. I'm not sure if for better or for worse, though. I'm quite cocky now, I think. I really wasn't sure where my life was heading, though. But that picture really helped me because I thought, yeah, I can make my own decisions. I do have free will. But no matter what I'm going to do, God will never stop loving me. God will never stop loving through me. 
and God will never stop using me to impact people and using people to impact me. Someone described it the other day as kind of like a child learning to walk and God being the like parent watching over them, this little child. And if the child falls over, the parent's not going to focus on where the child fell over and be really mad at the child for falling over because they're just learning as they go along life. What the parent will do is either let the child get back up themselves or if they're really struggling, maybe help them a little bit. So since moving to London, there we go, let's go back to that. Um, I really found a direction for my life. Genuinely love life and I'm really excited for my future. But I'm also maybe for the first time ever excited for now. Like I think I've always just look forward to the future because I didn't want to be in my now but I'm finally at the point where I really love how life is going for me just as it is now especially from like January this year it just I got a job in January and I loved it so much obviously I say loved because I can't work right now so when I was 16 um in 2017 right at the start of it January the 8th I got baptized I got baptised in water, which means I kind of stood in this little bath tank water thing and we did a little prayer and then, you know, I put my arms across my chest and two people either side of me kind of dunked me back into the water and then I came up and the whole idea is to represent, like, new life and being born again, which I'm not going to lie, for a while I hated the phrase born again. I loved it at first and then it just became like a real negative thing that I was hearing. Which it should be the complete opposite because it means like you're being given a fresh start, you're being given a new life. Like everything of the past, everything that's hurt you, everything that you've hurt is forgiven, forgotten, gone, move on. Well, maybe not forgotten because you can help people through it, but you know what I mean. So I have like from that year different um, kind of goals or themes every year for me. 2017 was all about being born again and learning how to. I guess treat myself that way. I was trying to learn how to forgive the past, to move on from it, but a lot happened that year, which honestly sucked. Like it was really hard. It was a really hard year. And I had my ways of getting through it, but they weren't the best ways. They weren't the most positive or healthy ways. So it just really sucked. So I got to 2018 and I decided that the theme of the year would be living. I don't know why I chose the word living, but I think I just realised, like, I don't know the basics of how to take care of myself anymore. I was really going through it, I was really struggling, and I can't really remember the context of everything that was happening that year. But anyway, the theme of that year was living. I think maybe it started on New Year's Eve because I realised, like, I felt like I was living. But at the same time, I kind of was doing everything but live. Like, I didn't feel like I was doing anything really positive. I was. I was still quite involved in church. I had jobs, like... But I just needed to go back to basics. I needed to make sure I was showering. I needed to make sure I was eating well. I needed to exercise. I needed to take care of myself. And I needed to learn how to love myself. And I think I only really got there when I moved to London. I think by the end of 2018, I kind of was okay. I was kind of there almost. But someone spoke to me about the difference between living and thriving and it really played on my mind and so my word for 2019 was thriving which in 2019 I definitely got there oh my gosh and now 2020 I'm fully on a whole new level of life. 
I really love myself. At least I think I do. There's still parts of me I sometimes struggle with, but doesn't everyone have them? There's ongoing work to do in all of us. Like I said when I spoke about the empowerment theory. But I'm really going for it. I really love everything that I'm about. Everything that I've got to look forward to. Everything about life now. I love the kind of person I am. And the kind of person I'm working towards being. Oh, I've also learned how to be young. I've never really found my inner child. And I love her. I used to be so harsh to little me. Firstly, I never thought I was little. I always made jokes about me being like a chubby little thing. And it was only when I sat with one of my old flatmates and looked through old photos of me that I realised I wasn't. And that came from comparing myself to a lot of people around me, especially to like people in my school, people like my sisters. Um, I knew a lot of people who were very fit, they still are, and they would weigh themselves a lot, and I just wasn't allowed to weigh myself as a kid. I don't know if somebody told me that or if I made that rule for myself, but even to this day, I can't remember the last time I stood on a pair of scales. Maybe at the doctor's, but... I don't think I asked them, like, how much I weigh or whatever. Anyway, I was on the phone to my mum the other day, talking about, like, feeling guilty for not being home and being there for my siblings and cousins and the young people I work with, like, as they all grow up. She said to me, you're still growing up too. And I thought I knew that, but it really hit me when she said it. I've learnt that, unlike what I used to think and say, I don't think there is a point where you just grow up. I used to say I grew up very quickly and at quite a young age, but I don't think there's a point you can reach where you've fully grown up. As humans, we're always growing up. I've learned to have fun again. I've learned that I love playing games, I love to dance. I loved when my best friend came to London and met me at my uni and walked me back to my student accommodation and we were walking the streets making up stupid, really bad songs off the top of our heads. I love chatting and I love being creative. I've learnt that you have your own way of doing everything and it's a long process of finding your way but you've got to own it. Own who you are because you are so loved. You are so loved for you. Oh I learnt about my food intolerances too when I moved to London. I knew about the lactose since I was 16 which hit me very suddenly and was very disgusting and gross and hard to get through. But the gluten slowly followed. I think I've always been gluten intolerant but I just never really paid attention to it until one point when I realised it's not normal to feel the way I was feeling and everyone doesn't feel that way and I wanted to fix it. But I think that brings us in a nice full circle because I started talking about my food at the start and I think I've just finished there. Yeah, thank you for listening, whoever you are. Oh, I tried to get a, um, a what do you call it? Like the words for everything I was saying for the first episode, but it was so bad. Like, there was a lot of half words because I didn't say all my words. I didn't say T's. I don't really pronounce everything properly. So there was a lot of half words and a lot of things that the machine that was doing it just couldn't pick up, which is understandable with the way that I talk. But I tried. But yeah, I hope everyone has a great day or maybe has a great sleep if you're about to go to sleep and it's night time when you're listening. I hope everyone's keeping well. Lots of love. Amen.